Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you came to defeat the devil and his kingdom and to bring us the blessing of your Father in salvation. Thank you for this undeserved mercy and grace. We confess our unwillingness to recognize the finger of God in his sacramental work and our allegiance to the domain of darkness in our sin. Give us the word of God and his sacraments to drive out the devil by your power and to defend our hearts by your strength. As you have promised, let your kingdom come. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is the Holy Gospel lesson according to St. Luke, the 11th chapter, beginning with the 14th verse. We read again the 28th verse in Jesus' name. But Jesus said, Even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. (coughs) Demon possession is today, of course, more the topic of horror movies than it is a common, real fear in our culture. But that's just another way that the devil has, in fact, taken more power. By convincing our modern, enlightened, Western culture that we don't need to worry about our bodies and minds being taken over by a malevolent being from hell, we also don't see much need for a savior from it. Jesus warned that it's not possible to be neutral about him. The one who is not with me is against me. The one who does not gather with me scatters. And therefore learn the reality that there's more to being in the devil's kingdom than being possessed by him. That's only one way that he owns a soul. As terrifying as the devil and his kingdom is, however, Jesus is far stronger. Jesus drives out the devil by his word. The word cleanses hearts and the word preserves hearts. Think of the state of the man who had a demon. That man was, as a result of this possession, mute. And the Greek word also means dull, like a blade. It can refer to a person being both deaf and mute. While a person, while we have very few details about that person besides this simple and provocative word and the fact that after the demon had gone out, the man who had been mute spoke, some theologians have thought that this word also described the man as deaf, mute, and even blind as well, just conveying the understanding that the devil possessed all of his faculties so that he could not receive God's gifts or be used for God's glory and man's welfare. That's the result of the devil's possession. And yet this man who could not receive God's gifts did. St. Paul wrote, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked when you followed the ways of this present world. You are following the ruler of the domain of the air, the spirits now at work in the people who disobey. Again, the default of this sinful world is that it belongs to the devil. Yes, God has created you and your soul, but the devil has crouched down with his jaws open wide and his venom pierces you the moment you are conceived so that you are dead when you are born. You can recognize that you are dead only because of this word. 
And the word reveals to you that God has commanded a certain perfection. But you know in yourself how you have disobeyed the commands of God. But the devil knows that the word of God can do this, and therefore the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from clearly seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is God's image. The devil is called the God of this age precisely because of how he possesses all people who have not been brought by Jesus into the light. This world is Egypt, and the devil is Pharaoh, and you are his slave. As your slave master, therefore, the devil's chief aim is to keep you in darkness. As long as you are in darkness, you are blind to the light, deaf to the word, and you are dead, unable to live with God. The devil's domain is a domain of death, and he will seek to make you love this death. The darkness is comforting, if it's all you know, so that it's like if a heavy sleeper would rather stay under the covers, sleep away the day, than get up and live. Jesus' word called the dead man Lazarus out of his tomb. Jesus' word cleansed many of their diseases. Jesus' word banished many demons, including this one who possessed this man and stopped his ears. Jesus came and freed him. But others whom the devil possessed objected. He was being attacked, so they were being attacked, and they lashed out and blasphemed Jesus. He drives out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Beelzebul is the name of the God who seduced Israel in the time of the kings, the God against whom Elijah demonstrated the true God's power. It's interesting, therefore, that others were testing him by demanding a sign from heaven. Maybe they wanted to see proof like what Elijah gave. When King Ahaziah wanted to find healing in the false god Baalzebul, but Elijah intercepted the messengers of the king and gave the word from God. Ahaziah was enraged at this, and he sent soldiers to seize the prophet. Twice a captain and fifty soldiers came after Elijah, and twice that prophet said, If I am a man of God, let fire fall from the sky and consume you and your fifty men. So those who tested Jesus might have been trying to get him to call fire down to prove his might and authority. But Jesus didn't answer them with power. He answered with his word and with teaching. Every kingdom divided against itself is destroyed, and a house divided against itself falls. By these words, Jesus was proving that his opponents were not thinking rationally, but they were reacting because they didn't like his teaching. There's a lesson in that for you also. Think rationally. You might believe at a time, any time that a debate rises or an issue sprouts up, that you have the rational side, but there is also every possibility that you are judging what you see only on the basis of what is inside yourself. Look outside and judge yourself by the word first. And then judge, judge what you see by the word. Jesus said this, hypocrite, first remove the beam from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, as St. Paul said, beware you who think you stand, lest you fall. But what are you standing on? 
Jesus turned his accusers' words back onto themselves. But if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? There were numerous other exorcists among the Jews, and Jesus knew that many of them were acceptable to his opponents. So this was an inconsistency on their part, that only on the basis of how they felt about Jesus, they accepted some and rejected him. It ought to be obvious at this point that the devil had a hold of them. That man who was mute and now spoke was saved by Jesus, brought out of his slavery that still held those Pharisees and others. He said, yet if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And he's recalling by those words, the finger of God, the work of Moses in Egypt. When Moses worked the third plague on Egypt, bringing lice over the land, the magicians of Pharaoh failed. They'd been able to recreate the first two plagues, but this one they couldn't. So the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he did not listen to them just as the Lord had said. Yes, Jesus was the deliverer of God's people, just like Moses, only greater. Pharaoh, devil, and his allies were hardened against Jesus. But Jesus was plundering the devil, just as Israel plundered Egypt in the Exodus. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks him and defeats him, he takes away that man's full armor in which he had trusted and divides up his plunder. The devil is that strong man, and Jesus is the stronger. He comes as a champion of God's kingdom, defeating the devil's kingdom, cleansing hearts by his word. When people demanded a sign, it's strange that they didn't accept the signs so visible before them. Yet it's not so strange also, because hardened hearts like Pharaoh's will not accept the finger of God, however obvious it is. And therefore, later, Jesus would say, this generation is an evil generation. It is seeking a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For just as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Other places, Jesus explained the sign of Jonah as referring to the resurrection, that just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the fish, the Son of Man would be three days in the belly of the earth. But this, his point here is the word. As Jonah preached to Nineveh about the overthrow of their wicked kingdom, Jesus is proclaiming the overthrow of the devil's kingdom. But Nineveh repented, and God turned their disaster away. Those of the devil's kingdom are trapped, and only the word can bring them out. As Jesus had this dialogue, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that carried you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And in this summary statement, Jesus shows that the word not only cleanses hearts, but the word is also needed to preserve those hearts. Notice that he doesn't contradict the woman who raised her voice. Jesus' mother Mary is indeed blessed, as the angel said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But her blessing was not only that she held the Savior under her heart in her womb, but that she held her Savior in her heart. 
Numerous times, Scripture remarks on how Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And this ought to be a lesson for you to keep your own personal devotion. A heart that is empty, swept and clean and in order, is open on the market. And the devil is eager to claim such a heart. Jesus warns you, the one who is not with me is against me. The one who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but does not find any. Then it says, I will return to my house, the one I left. When it returns, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they go in and dwell there. The last condition of that man becomes worse than the first. And this is a serious warning, and you must examine your heart to see what dwells there. In your baptism, and through the word, Jesus has indeed bound up Satan and cast him out of your heart. In your, our baptismal rite, the pastor makes the sign of the cross over the head and the heart of the one to be baptized, saying, The merciful and eternal God who alone saves from all evil, and who graciously called you to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light, through our Savior Jesus Christ, deliver you from the power of darkness, sin, death, and Satan, and preserve you in his faith and truth, now and forevermore. Amen. By this blessing, the devil is cast away from the one being baptized. An older rite makes this a little more explicit. After the pastor has made this sign of the cross and prayed, he says, I adjure thee, thou unclean spirit, by the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, that thou come out of and depart from this servant of Christ. And I want you to understand that literally. By your baptism, the servants of the devil were cast out of your heart. It was an exorcism at your baptism. Your eyes were opened to see your Savior who died and rose for you. Your ears were opened to hear his blessed word of forgiveness for you. And your mouth was opened to sing his praises. But let him who thinks he stands be careful that he does not fall. Remember who that devil is. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is lurking, watching for even one small opening, one chink in the armor. And this happens when Christians begin thinking that certain sins are not all that great. What's the harm, after all, of living together before marriage? Is anyone being hurt? Never mind that this is contrary to God's will. Flee from sexual immorality. Every sin that a person commits is outside of the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God with your body. Or you might even justify other sins, valuing the divine service or personal devotion very little, or gossiping about others and saying it's just because you're telling the truth. Or thinking poorly about your fellow Christians who aren't showing their faith as well as you are. Can't they get themselves up on a Sunday? Can't they see that their addiction is wrong? Can't they see how real Christians ought to behave? Any and every disobedience of God's word is a place where you have taken off the armor of God and trusted in your own armor instead. And the devil is no match for the armor of God. 
but your own armor is no match for the devil. St. Peter wrote, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents in the world to abstain from the desires of the sinful flesh which war against your soul. He said this as his desire for those who had been cleansed by Jesus' word to be preserved in grace. And just before this urging, he said, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, the people who are God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. At one time you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. At one time you were not shown mercy, but now you have been shown mercy. By the word you have been changed by God from darkness to light, from death to life. You have new meaning and importance, so don't lose it. St. Paul speaks about the blessing of this new state. The Father rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What a horrible thing it would be to lose this. It is possible to lose it. And the last condition of that man becomes worse than the first because it is very, very hard for someone to be converted again after he has held and rejected the gift of grace. But just how Jesus came to dwell in your heart is exactly how he remains there, by his word. The word in the water of baptism is but that by which he drowned the armies of Pharaoh devil and passed you through to his blessed side. The word that he still speaks to you in the divine service and Bible study and personal and family devotion is how he continues to wield his sharp, double-edged sword against the onslaught of the devil who seeks to win you back. The word in the bread and wine is the sacrament of the altar, the Lord's Supper, Jesus' own body and blood, so that he truly resides within you and the devil cannot touch you. Man was originally made in the image of God. In this original design, every one of each human being's members, his eyes, his ears, his mouth, his hands, and his feet, were weapons of righteousness ruled by God himself for God's purposes. In sin, those members became shameful so that man sought to hide from God. His body was dead, doomed to dust, to be eaten by the devil. And all of his descendants were doomed to dust. You were doomed to dust. But Jesus Christ is himself the image of God, the perfect man, the word of God himself, that sharp sword of the spirit who defeated the devil, crushing his head in his death on the cross so that your sin is atoned for. And by his word, Jesus brings his forgiveness to you, giving you freedom from the devil's kingdom. But freedom for what? You are free now to serve your God again. You are free to see and hear what blessings he has to give to you. You are free to sing his praises. You are free to hear the word of God and keep it. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.